Cineboys to Cinemen, episode 45. 45. 45 episodes deep. Ooh. Ooh. Hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. This week, The Iron Claw. Yes. Uh, a wrestling film. Indeed. Cineboys first. Cineboys first and my third ever wrestling film that I've ever watched. There not being many. No, I was going to say, the third one you've ever seen, it's probably not far off the actual total amount of wrestling films that exist at the moment. Yeah, At I'm least in Western audiences, or well, Western cinema, sorry, as far as I can think. Yeah, and we've established last week that um, The Scorpion King doesn't count no. as one. So, Despite yeah. your best efforts to include it in the discussion. I will be talking about it extensively for about an hour, but yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's going to be a longie. Yeah. It's going to be a longie. <laughs> well, I feel like it's a film where you wrestle with your emotions a lot because it's such a inspirational story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, True. We should point out that that uh, soothing, calming voice is uh, none other than Monsieur Lee Markham, who's joined us for this week. Back again. Third time's the charm. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Any time. Uh, uh, sacre bleu, uh, as you know, <laughs> Monsieur might say. Um, <laughs> uh, apologies the... to the French. Um, oh, that's the John Wick. St- oh, no, that's sacre coeur, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> 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 that really didn't that, that really didn't land <laughs> the way I'd hoped I might keep this in you know. yeah yeah, keep, yeah yeah listen what's important is it's uh, trying and shooting for the stars and uh, yeah. I feel like you know cinema boys to cinnamon uh, that's what you're always aspiring to do yeah. and yeah. as would the Scorpion King exactly yeah yeah as uh, this is a wrestling film I think it was like a sort of perfect opportunity to discuss not only other wrestling films, a limited pool, as we previously mentioned, but yeah. wrestling itself. Modern wrestling is not something I know a great deal about, but I am very much someone that holds sort of nineties, early noughties era wrestling very much close to the heart. Mm, yeah, um, and it, it just it was too much of a good opportunity to sort of pass by. Really, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's kind of. And and also this has kind of been tipped as a, a sort of an Oscar film for a while now, and I I was intrigued by it from the cast alone. I remember seeing the first poster, and whilst I don't have any sort of personal reverence for wrestling that goes beyond you, you know the enthusiasm of you guys is kind of bleeding onto me a little bit. Uh, I was intrigued by the film nonetheless. Mm, so, agreed. Yeah, exactly. And I, we you know it just made sense to have Coventry's very own car park wrestling champion right here. To help yes. us wade through the complex web that is the professional wrestling industry. Well, um, ultimately, also thank you for acknowledging my um, legitimate championship. I offered opportunities for people to come and challenge me and my uh, Coventry Car Park Wrestling Championship bout. I uh, lingered around many a car park in Coventry, um, shirt off, oiled up. God. Now, sadly, I'm not actually allowed back home to Coventry. Because um, your Ford Escort got repossessed, was that right? Yes, yes. Um, Using it as an arena also is, is it's a bold move. Yeah. I mean, Vince McMahon, it's an idea he should take on board. Yeah. I think he's probably quite busy with other things at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, so. But, I think uh, so. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think ultimately the way the Midlands police saw it is uh, a guy... Sweating profusely, naked next to his Ford Escort in a Coventry car park. So, um, how how can you compete with that? Like, it's political correctness gone mad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I you know. We'll, yeah. You know. I agree with that. You know, you're you're one in glory, and they're 
wanting you to leave the city. Um, <laughs> chased out. Chased yeah. out. Chased out. Lost um, your Jordan's Country Crisp sponsorship as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that... Sorry to just highlight that for no reason at all. <laughs> yeah. Well... Mickey Molly's done. <laughs> well, the thing was, that wasn't a legitimate kind of sponsorship. I was just kind of, at the time, living out of that Ford Escort. So I was just kind of making clothes out of uh, used wrappers of Jordan's Crisps. Yeah. Expensive, that. It's not cheap cereal. It was, honestly. I mean, ultimately, that's why I was living in my car, really. You know? I suppose it is a a very large amount of sort of protein uh, and nutrients to pack into quite a small space. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, Honestly, it was a very confusing time. And um, (laughs) I think probably the quicker we move on from it, the better. I, I agree. Yeah. Outro? No, yeah. intro over, not outro. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, that's it. Finished. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we yes. finish the intro? Yes. Yeah. Questing the cinematic void. So before we took into wrestling films and, of course, Iron Claw itself, yeah. I think it's well worth talking about wrestling as a sport or, yeah. or as entertainment. And I guess how 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 it how does it lend itself to cinema? So obviously yeah. you've got boxing, which is infinitely more popular in terms of films. But like, you know, the, the few that do exist, how have they sort of successfully translated it? Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as a phenomena, I just think it's 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 a really it is undoubtedly one of the most bizarre sort of forms of mainstream entertainment I can think of. Uh, yeah. Completely. I mean, I, I, I'm c- coming from a place where I'm, I'm not, as I've already said, like it's not really my cup of tea. How do I don't know how it started. I'm sure one of I'm sure you guys do, but like, how do, has it always been around? Yeah, it's. I think it's been around since like at least like the turn of the 20th century. Yeah, I, th- I think it originated in kind of like circuses and stuff like that. And I think it must have come out of a kind of like almost like the strongman sort of um, yeah, yeah. kind of period. And um, I think weird- weirdly, I think it's the only almost like circus based kind of entertainment that's, I mean, it's completely devoid of circus now in terms of like visual I guess but like it's it embodies the spirit of it I think definitely it's yeah. um yeah, it's definitely what you would describe as a quite carny sort of industry and quite a carny it's that kind of like you know it's still trying to in a way con the audience like tricking them into believing that you know as much as the curtain's been lifted nowadays and people are aware enough but making people believe that these people in the ring are actually having a fight and trying to make it as kind of believable or entertaining or as, you know, like fantastical as possible for people to, you know, pay for it. Yeah. Uh, it's all about, it, it, I mean, this is kind of touched on in the Iron Claw quite a lot, but it seems to be about winning over a crowd, right? So it's it's not necessarily like you you choose who you are supporting based on either like a geographical advantage or like you know if you're hometown or something it seems to me like it's a performance which wins you over and you can kind of and that is how they rise the ranks is that is that right i mean i think i think you're partially right i do think geographical location does play a role i mean certainly texas and yeah, with, I, yeah. I think if there's a wrestler from a certain area they're going to they're going to garner a lot of support just by the by that by that basis if they're if they're performing in that 
yeah, yeah. Okay. if they're like the hometown hero yeah, or yeah, like that's a big you know. thing i think and yeah, there's yeah. a big um you know the 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 foreigner or the outsider mm. is the bad guy yeah okay, oh god right. yeah nah, and, and they'll play and they'll yeah. play that up you'll have the bad guys who are either like over the top you know in quotation marks foreign bad guy or they'll use a lot of uh, the the bad guy will be in their kind of town and go like oh i hate being here in texas you're a bunch of hicks right and he's trying to get the crowd as angry as possible because then when they're hopefully defeated it makes the hero kind of better yeah yeah Um, okay they've defeated the sort of invading force I suppose yeah yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's it's not always that there's different yeah. um, um, and the terms they tend to use would be um, like the bad guy will always be called a heel you have a heel uh, yeah okay yeah um, and then the, the the hero will be a face so I just want to say that now in case I start using a few of these phrases a heel and face right yeah okay. uh, yeah face is a good guy heel is bad guy um, in case I start using those, and you're like, "What the hell is he on about?" <laughs> it's very, it's very much that. It's um, being the best is not necessarily about being the tough. It's 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 about making the audience care for you, and that's whether you're a good guy or a bad guy. What you don't want is somebody being indifferent. Like yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. If that answer, sorry, I think I went on a bit too long there. So, like, the worst thing to be is mediocre. Yes. I suppose. And that's similar yeah. for. Fi- I feel the same about films. Yeah. I think the worst kind of film is the mediocre film, like Ant Man and that that latest Ant Man film. Like that was possibly. I don't know why it sticks out as one like just an intensely mediocre experience. Oh god, yeah. Because when you go too far the other way of films being bad, you can kind of laugh at them, and there's a kind of almost a community spirit about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. To be indifferent to something is possibly, I guess, yeah, the ultimate sin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's. I think that would that would be fair. I mean, I think. I really like the idea of sort of when you talking about the origin of wrestling, about that sort of carny esque approach to it. I think Absolutely. there is there is a sort of endearing element of that that I think carries on even into modern wrestling today. I mean, again, my knowledge of modern wrestling is pretty sparse, but there is something so larger than life about it. Yeah, um, and it it is just a, you know this insane mixture of hyper real characterization yeah um and physicality i i just find it so strange that those things are sort of have become so popular on the basis that again as someone that was a huge fan and holds quite a lot of reverence for it you know it's particularly in the era now where we've seen the sort of the rise of mixed martial arts become a real sort of prominent um sort of sport yeah you know that that wrestling can still sort of coexist along alongside that, and it's not obviously the physicality plays a part, and there is a technical ability that is very much praised and treasured and, and cherished. But I think you're right in suggesting that a significant portion of it is about that sort of like playing these sort of certain character archetypes, which have always been they're almost sort of hardwired into our sort of, I guess, wider way in which we perceive good and evil. Yeah, uh, yeah. National pride or regional pride, you know? Yeah. And I think, like, if we are to look at the film we watched for this episode, The Iron Claw. Yeah. The kind of carny... I think nowadays it is a lot more corporate and a lot more... Like, you still have an independent scene. So, like, 
even in Bristol, like you can go and watch a wrestling show in a bar. Like I think they're showing it at the Trinity Centre in the next month or so. I'm keen to go to that. You know, I'd love to go watch like a local wrestling show. Yeah, well, you know, maybe we could wrestle boys to wrestle men. Maybe debut. Debut. There we go. Yeah, Um, this whole podcast is about that. This is all about getting this set up. Yeah, yeah, Um, it's been one long. 45 episode setup yeah. for our true passion yeah. wrestling boys yeah. to wrestling men but like so you've you've like you always have like it's it's like any art like any art form or any kind of entertainment or sports you're always going to have like your smaller or your independence whether that's a football team in non-league whether that's an independent film but then you're also going to have your studio projects in film or you're going to have your premier leagues and your champions leagues in football or you're going to have like your like disney's and like paramounts and warner brothers like you know um like there's a room for all of it but obviously nowadays wrestling's mainly known as like yeah the wwe and maybe AEW um a little bit but mainly wwe for the like a mainstream audience in terms of wrestling but like Especially, like, you know, in the period in Iron Claw, it was mainly, like I said, the small independent shows. Like, you had... Yeah, it's a lot of territories. So, you'd have... At the time, the um, WWE, what we would have known in the 90s as the WWF, before the uh, animal rights people ruined that. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) Gotta make that clear. Exactly, exactly. Still furious about that. Yeah, makes me want to suplex a polar bear. Um, That's why um, I leave my lights on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Show them. Yeah. Um, In the shower, Danny. No, but (laughs) I'll leave it on. Exactly. Entertainment. (laughs) But yeah, back in the back in the like you know before basically WWE took over most of the kind of monopoly on wrestling. There was a lot of different companies in different areas. So even Britain, we had, on TV, we'd have World of Sport. Uh, I don't know of it, but I know, like, even my gran knows about World of Sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you had, like, wrestlers like uh, Big Daddy and, like, people like that. Yeah, think, and like, Stax, what was, who was he? Yeah. I, I remember my dad always going... Giant Haystacks. Giant Haystacks. Giant Haystacks. He wasn't always going on about Giant yeah. Haystacks. He was like, <laughs> you know... <Yeah. laughs> my birthday going, yeah, yeah, this is all good and everything. Yeah. Giant Haystacks. Yeah. No, Much better yeah. than you. <laughs> In every way. Yeah. Loser. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, like, yeah, you're right in that sense that it was a very sort of factional thing. And I think it ties yeah. back into what we were saying almost at the very beginning of the discussion is that that regional pride is so central. And I think a lot of that comes from those early days of wrestling where it was territories, yeah. wasn't it? It was like a, a, a sort of a company within a sort of... Um, usually, I guess, sort of state lines. Yeah. Um, and they would operate their own sort of internal division with titles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But um, what's interesting, one of the things in the film as well, is the um, the title they talk about, which is the uh, NWA, uh, not the rap group, or no. the Neighbourhood Watch Alliance or from the, uh, yeah, Hot Fuzz. Or the Animal Rights Group. I yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A very rogue group uh, <laughs> yeah very, very militant early days for them <laughs> yes. Um, yes. but this the National Res- Wrestling Alliance um, it was uh, yeah the NWA's World's Heavyweight Championship and that was at the time 
the biggest championship in wrestling. And it wasn't just one program. It wasn't like you like the different territories would occasionally get the NWA's World's Heavyweight Championship in their state or their city. Mm. And when they were in town, that was a big deal. I think, just to add that context, it was all kind of like, it was town to town. It was very kind of like living out your car, living out your suitcase, you know, get trying to get as much money out of a town as possible and moving on to the next one. So, mm. you know, you don't stay in a place for too long. So, you know, they get a bit of the kind of stardust and then they're excited to see it again. It wasn't overly saturated and... Television wasn't... Obviously, television was was a big deal, but it wasn't like nowadays where you can watch so much... You can watch whatever you want. Yeah. Um, And it's a thing as well, like you you bring up, like your UFCs and stuff like that. What I think there's... Wrestling then as well is that the type of wrestlers as well, like they were muscular and stuff like and you had a few of them that you know would be seen as handsome or heartthrobs and stuff but you also had just a lot of guys who just looked like brawlers yeah yeah and you they they were you know they're doing a you know a predetermined fight but they were tough and you like people still get hurt people still get injured like you know people have been killed in the ring people like it's still tough but there is that sense of like you know like you can, you could take your kid to see it. Like you could take your children, you take your family, you could take your nan. Like you know, like you know. I hear. Well, congratulations! You've just spoiled my idea for my nan's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna take her to the Trinity Centre to see giant haystacks. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> wrestling with a zimmer frame. Yeah. <laughs> haystacks. Not my nan. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something in that, what you were saying about the universal nature of it and the universal appeal. And that's something I want to try and sort of pose to you guys as to what you think it is, because as we've said, it is very predetermined. I mean, and also if you look, certainly the audiences that tend to populate uh, wrestling um, shows, it's a very easily stereotyped crowd. Yeah. And, you know, often a lot of men it's sort of our age onwards really like it's not you know obviously there's been a huge push to make it as family friendly as possible but even now it deals it does still seem to be in the sort of domain of a very set demographic and i i just wonder what why you think that is given that yes it is predetermined i mean we've sort of outlined there is still a, a tremendous amount of, of athleticism and physicality required and there's also a sense of showmanship that's also really important and I think it's the culmination of those elements that makes wrestling such an appealing phenomena for so many people but you know knowing that it's predetermined uh, and all that I don't know like it removes a sense of jeopardy that they have to construct themselves through that sort of larger than life nature that is inherent in wrestling, I think, and seems to attract larger-than-life individuals. Yeah. Um, well, I think, um, like we said, like it kind of come from like the kind of circus and things like that, and it developed over the years, kind of, you know. And it's it's one one of these forms, whether you call it an art form, whether you call it a sport. I'd say it's like a kind of intriguing kind of hybrids of the two 
And, you know, I know there'll be people out there who are a bit dismissive about, you know, whether it's a sport or not, because, like, but, you know, if, you, if you're constantly putting your body at risk of, like, breaking your neck, breaking your leg, breaking every bone in your body to pretend to fight, there's still something sporting about that. Mm. Um, whether you enjoy a, it or not. Yeah, I was just, is there still a kind of... Uh, Uncertainty about how it's, things are going to play out. Hundred like, percent. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, yeah. obviously, you, the, you as an audience member, wouldn't know the outcome anyway. But then, would you also perhaps go there in that kind of uh, almost uh, the same way ice hockey fans go to ice hockey matches to see fights, <laughs> as opposed to see the the actual sport? Like, is is yeah. there a kind of element of I don't actually know what's going to happen yeah. here. Something could go wrong, and then I weirdly want to be here for that I don't know yeah there's a sense of jeopardy there isn't there in that I think without a doubt yeah and I think it's it was it's something that developed over the years especially like it was always at first like big as a live entertainment that's where it became massive yeah that's when it was at its probably biggest when it would have been like your kind of 50s 60s 70s 80s and this was obviously before like you obviously had TV since the fifties, but you know you didn't have the kind of myriad of options you have now. Yeah. Whether that's entertainment, whether that's sport, like you, like you could put whatever sport you want to watch, whatever film you want to watch, whatever TV show, soap opera, like you could watch whatever now. But then, like this was like the like the kind of almost amazing hybrid of all of them. Mm. And mm, okay. you did, you'd have a, a mixture of peculiar, over-the-top characters in there. And I think because it's been passed on from generation, because you can't, like, I've I've heard stories about, like, you know, people's nans, like, being so upset at the bad guy that they're hitting them with the handbags and stuff like that. So, like, oh, you can get people from, like, grandmothers to, like, grow, like, you know, adults like you know middle-aged people to children that you you know you pass on this entertainment that can kind of bond people or mm. like yeah they, they they pass it on it's like oh you know you'll like this it's fun it's silly it's actiony but it's not like you know ufc like you know you can't let a eight-year-old see someone's like face get caved in or their leg actually breaking yeah, yeah. or like you know like you can't like I mean, you can, but probably not the best, <laughs> you know. Um, like this, you know, this is kind of like, it was in a way, it's like a universal entertainment for a lot of people like to mm. have. And it's had kind of ups and downs in popularity and in mainstream culture. But mm. like, I think that's why it's stuck around, even if it is such a, Especially on paper, it's such a bizarre thing when you think about it. It's like yeah, yeah, mus- muscly men or women pretending to fight each other, and you like you know they know real you know deep down who's gonna win. On paper, it sounds ridiculous, but when you add all those contexts, that's why I think it's always had its like that's why it's lasted so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Whilst dipping in popularity because of other things there's a willing suspension of disbelief that i think is integral to its enjoyment and i think it's easier obviously to to do that when you're a child but as you get older i think you know i guess i mean i you know can't speak for the millions of people my age that love it passionately but i feel like that willing suspension of disbelief is so central to its enjoyment you know like the larger than life nature of it complements that you know like yeah 
and I think yes there is artistry and there is absolutely technique like you know you can't not be bowled over by the sort of technical athleticism of what they're doing because there's a sort of duality to it in the sense that you want to make people think that you've really hurt someone but do it in a way that minimizes as much sort of damage as possible to the person and I think that okay, yeah. there's an art form to that I I mean I'm still convinced of that even at the age of 33 and as someone that just holds on to like old school wrestling as you know right, as like yeah. a formative sort of childhood experience but I do think that willing suspension disbelief is so important to it and there isn't many things that do that like wrestling mm. I don't no. think I do think there's a as a kind of you know, there's definitely a reason why Aronofsky made the companion film to The Wrestler about ballet. Like it's the same. You know, that is a it is a companion piece to The Wrestler. Definitely, mm. oh, like the themes yeah, are the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. The ending is pretty much the same. The the character journey is exactly the same. I prefer Black Swan personally, but there isn't. You know, there's obviously ballet is an art form, of course, and it's, and it's predetermined, and it's you know a lot favoured live as well there's a definite yeah. sort of there's some crossover there yeah, oh, I agree with, yeah. without a doubt it's t- it's two performative arts which in doing it in such a repetitive and micromanaged and trained basis you put so much trauma on your body mm. and on if you're not looking after yourself properly on your mind as well mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. obviously black swans i think kind of deals with i mean i guess visually anyway and kind of narratively the kind of more psychological side of it yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas obviously the wrestler is a bit more naturalistic and it's just telling this like this yeah. kind of more straightforward narrative of it mm. yeah i agree sense? with that like, yeah yeah i agree with that yeah um yeah, so like, um, yeah, it's de- it's definitely a companion, and they are. Co- I mean, they're very, very com- comparable in a in a, in a way because it's yeah, it's, it's it's literally the same thing. But, yeah, the ending, you know, the the fact that I mean, there's a sort of role reversal in that the wrestler is about a father, whereas uh, Black Swan is very much about a daughter. Yeah, um, and you know, there's you can definitely compare them in that respect as well. Um, and I think it's definitely like obviously, you know, like ballet would be obviously seen as a more highbrow or like more upper class. Yeah, easy. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas like you know, obviously like especially like like you know, wrestling would have been like a kind of more kind of gritty, kind of more working class sort of entertainment for people like yeah like like especially in kind of like working class areas of like yeah, yeah like yeah. your texases your carolinas your you know like wherever it is you know they they're very similar in terms of probably how they people in those industries get treated and how they treat themselves yeah, agreed yeah. yeah there's a sort of physical and mental turmoil to to dedicating oneself to anything and i think both yeah. those films work as a companion piece because it is essentially about that. Yeah. The loss of one's sanity in the case of Black Swan. Yeah. Or the loss of being able to make or resurrect sort of genuine connections with friends, family, romantic interests in the wrestler. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really sort of key theme that we should sort of, I guess, talk about a little bit more because it's definitely explored in Ironclaw. I think that's the sort of oh, yeah. the central arc, I think, of the film, aside from all of the wrestling itself yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think it's something that 
was explored a lot more now retrospectively with wrestling. I was, I think we were sort of talking about it before the episode, but I think it was on Channel Four. But I don't know if it was sort of co-produced by them. But the Dark Side of the Ring, oh right, the documentary okay. series about it's a very like, good series, brilliant, yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant stuff. I mean, it's just great documentary stuff, for, even for people that are into wrestling. Um, okay, I yeah. would say, um, well, that may be biased, but I just think immense physical and mental pressure that comes with this profession, as you say, going on the road, playing this character this larger than life existence and and the sort of the pressure to continue to to play that larger than life character i think there's some kind of in in the sort of more ugly cases or the sort of casualties within the industry that seems to be one of the most difficult things for people to sustain and hold on to and oh, absolutely, the way yeah. in which people sort of free fall into you know addiction Mm. And uh, and the way in which it sort of like destroys the way that they can have relationships with like family. I mean, I remember uh, one particular episode of uh, oh no, it wasn't Dark Side of the Ring. What's the wrestling film I'm thinking of? The wrestling documentary Beyond the Mat. Beyond the Mat. Beyond the Mat. Yes. There's that bit with Jake the Snake Roberts. Yes. He's yes. obviously a very famous wrestler, um, but he is someone that has you know been very you know open about his his uh, struggles with addiction and the impact that's had on him personally and the relationships he's had subsequently with his family as a result of being a wrestler Mm, and there's a bit in the documentary where he's trying to reconnect with his his estranged daughter which is parallels to the wrestler right yeah oh god Um, yeah yeah and does he go mental in a supermarket as well not as far as I'm aware. Oh, okay. okay. So that's exclusive <laughs> no. to Aronofsky's. Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, I think so. uh, to the deli jabbing his hand in a deli ham yeah. slicer. That's it. horrible. Yeah, yeah. It. So great. Um, yeah. But um, you know, like it, it really sort of laid bare for me that the sort of the psychological and physical torment of of something that is so fantastical and you know, and I don't mean this in a negative way. Quite silly. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 and as a child, you're enraptured by that, and as an adult, looking back retrospectively to that, I'm sort of warmed by that. This sort of silliness, the larger in life nature of it, and, and yeah. the sort of bizarre nature of of the industry in in general. But I think that's something that's really worth looking into. Well, I think it was. I mean, like any of those sort of kind of former, like like kind of carny, um, carny industries or carny kind of. It was. It was always a place for people with demons or with troubled backgrounds it was always somewhere where these sort of people could escape uh, yeah okay and yeah, yeah. it's interesting because like you know i think that's a lot of what wrestling can be actually i think for kind of adults who are still into it i know i've i've had an on and off relationship with enjoying wrestling i think a lot you're yeah. you you have a lot of nostalgia for like the 90s and uh that wrestling and you've probably watched little bits but like I've gone in and out of being kind of really into watching a lot of it and then like kind of being out of it but like it was always a kind of escapism like mm. if you like especially at the times when I was uh, very uh, very single it was uh, well, very not mutually uh, exclusive yeah, to wrestling yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very like uh, you know it's, it, like, it was an escapism it's a kind of like you know it's what this silly nonsense that like you're mm. watching, and that, and I think that's like it was always I guess back in the day anyway. It was for people like you know who it's like a haven for people that were sort of a bit different yeah, or a bit like yeah. you know you're like yeah in trouble or like you know just didn't fit in with like kind of normal society. It was a good you know it was a line of work for them and then like you know it's developed into kind of a certain especially like iron claw like 
literally generations of wrestlers, mm. like wrestling dynasties. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you've got yeah, the yeah, Von yeah. Erics from Iron Claw. You've got the Hart family, um, which is another wrestling dynasty of uh, you know wrestling promoter and his like kind of offspring becoming like kind of arguably like the best wrestlers of their generations. You've got you've got so many like even the the Rocks. Uh, he's from like a I think three or four generations of wrestlers and most of his cousins are wrestlers and mm. yeah so it's, it's it developed from that into like kind of many dynasties and you're all sorts of char- all sorts of characters and some well adjusted some not so much um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's hard to say it's such a strange mixture of kind of entertainment um, art sport and it's um, although it's all over the world now, but it's such a also it feels so quintessentially American. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, but yeah, I agree. Okay. I also want to say quickly that I feel partly responsible for your, you know, your return to wrestling post uni, a, a nostalgia fueled purchase of a wrestling game. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I, I remember that. this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, by me, and then I ended up being a hardcore <laughs> wrestling fan who. Uh, to this day still goes to wrestling shows live uh. I win <laughs> well it's about winning <laughs> I mean I sort of joke about that and it's sort of and you know you getting back into it but it is something that despite all of the uh, sort of escapism and you know possibly being a haven for the outsiders and the athleticism that it's not something you would say at a date that you're into wrestling is it by and large, no, it's certainly not the certainly not the icebreaker. No, um, if if you want it to go anywhere, you you you'd probably keep that in your back pocket for a bit. No, 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 no. You kind of test the waters first. Yeah, all the ball like, wants a knife. Yeah, yeah. 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 Triple H and mankind. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When he got yeah. pedigreed into the drawing pins. Yeah, what is it you do for work? Oh, oh, you're in accounting and. Uh, um, what what did you think of um, Bret Hart versus a British Bulldog at SummerSlam '92? <laughs> I mean, I'd be all in if that yeah, was yeah, we were yeah. on a date. I'd yeah. be thinking, brilliant. Shall we go on a date and talk about British Shall Bulldog we? and Bret Hart? Yeah. Sack all the volivons, yeah, yeah, straight yeah. in that fucking Ford Fiesta. <laughs> Focus, whatever yeah, car yeah. it was. It was an escort. Escort. <laughs> fucking, I got it wrong. Even <laughs> in the escort, actually. Yeah. Sorry, Either way, man. I'll get. I'll grab the oil. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. George's holiday. I spent all the money on the date that we're not even going to fucking enjoy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I do think there is something. Um, there is something about it that I think culturally is viewed very as very low art or low low entertainment. Yeah, on the fringes. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, I'd, despite its ubiquity. Yeah, like, I, I think there is. You know, like it's there's a not, sneeriness that you could sneer at it. Yeah, and I can sort of understand it. Like I can sort of understand that for sure. And again, I I would definitely not in you know, a sort of house pie. Would not get invited to many house pies anymore at thirty three. Barely did it as a teenager in the twenties. You know, it's not. It's again, it's not an icebreaker. It's not something you would you would open with. And I and I, but it, even so, it's sort of almost like. Uh, and I'm not sort of saying that wrestling is directly comparable to this, but it's like you too. No one knows a U two fan yet. They're so big. You know, no, you know, like no one really knows that many people that are that into wrestling but it's fucking massive like yeah. well, well I think well, I definitely prefer wrestling to you too yeah yeah <laughs> that goes without saying um, but I think 
I think it's one of those like as you know, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be that you you two fan here. Not actually, not you two, but I'm gonna be. I, I am a wrestling fan. Um, I don't watch it as much now. Um, but like like I said, I've been on and off with it, and uh, but in fact, I did go to Wembley last year with eighty thousand other kind of wrestling fans to watch a live show. Um, but I will say I do understand why people can't get on with it because, again, it's a... Uh, I think if you didn't necessarily grow up with it and you just kind of put it on paper, and if you just see it on TV, it's just like... I think it's hard to kind of understand its kind of unique selling point. I agree, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you... Like I say, if you've grew up with it, if you've looked at, like, you know, if you, like, for example, like, you watch films like The Iron Claw, or you watch stuff like um, Dark Side of the Ring, or Beyond the Mat, like, I guess you see, like, you become in some ways, like, less interested in the actual story going on in the ring, or, like, on television, or whatever it is, but, like, kind of what's going on behind it, you're like, who are these people... Yeah. Why are they doing this? Yeah, yeah. Why are they seen as good? Why, you know, why do they do what they do? Um, but at the same time, like, you know, yeah, I, I do understand why it's, you know, seen as kind of like, you know, like a bit lowbrow or a bit like, oh, why do you like that? But then I guess it's like anything, like, it's no different from like, look, well, I mean, it's reality kind of television. Di- reality television, no. or you look at. I mean, it's starting to, I think, die a bit of a death. But like, you look at superhero films. Yeah. Like we know that it's not real. You know that, like you know, predetermined stories. It's predetermined oh, like, stories. Kind of like sprawling narratives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and honest, that's a nice comparison. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, yeah. like you could compare the two, you probably get better villains and more interesting, more nuanced, layered performances in like wrestling. Give me Paul Bearer over Thanos any day. Yeah. Like honestly, <laughs> like I mean, ultimately, if you put anything on paper. It's not going to be that impressive. It's a reductive exercise doing that. Isn't yeah, because yeah. you put a fi- yeah you put a film on paper. Oh, it's people filming things that aren't real, or <laughs> yeah. a book. It's people writing stories about things that didn't happen and people that didn't exist. Like you can put anything on paper and it doesn't sound as impressive, and that's the same with wrestling. But more so, probably. Yeah, but I also. So I guess, I mean, I guess that's more of a like, yeah, I don't, you know, don't just dismiss it. But also I get why you don't want to watch it. So yeah, it's funny funny though, the the three wrestling films I can think of, all three directors have approached it with a real respect. Mm, So, mm. you know, you've got um, Scorpion King, no, uh, (laughs) Chuck Ross is a Scorpion King. He's trying, yeah. You've got Fighting With My Family, which is like a pretty, a bit of a crowd pleaser. Yeah. But nonetheless, like, uh, Stephen Merchant directed it, actually. Yeah, yeah. He's approached it with, like, a sort of gentle respect. And then you've got Sean Durkin and Darren Aronofsky, who have made two very, like, films that take themselves really, really seriously. Mm, Yeah. They're quite sad and quite melancholic and very three-dimensional characters involved in it. And they're about this sport, so... There must be something in that, I think. I agree. It's mm. it's, and I think it is. It goes back to sort of the appeal of things like Dark Side of the Ring. It is the appeal of what kind of people are drawn to this lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, and what uh, what costs for some people that lifestyle has on them 
mm. and again their sort of relationships with others I think that is a central theme of those films. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a central theme of the sort of more, I guess, like the sort of more highbrow approach to wrestling. It's like, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was talking with a friend the other day about NFL. He was saying, well, you know, I'm not really into NFL, but I love all the NFL documentaries. Oh, right, and I feel yeah. like documentaries are like a really good way for people to get like a sort of deeper appreciation for the sort of intricacies of a yeah. sport or something that is previously inaccessible. Yeah, I mean, I'd love mountaineering because of the documentary. Yeah, I can't, said this, I can't yeah, climb yeah. a mountain, but like, I love the. Yeah, yeah. I just love the subject matter now because of what the documentaries yeah. I've seen. So similar, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think I think it's like anything. Like you know, you look at it from the outside, or you look at it and it, in its simplicity. And yeah, I guess it doesn't seem that impressive or that like it seems like a bit of a kind of waste of time, if you will. But then, like the more you look into it. And the more you see what goes on to make it or, you know, how to the people who do make it, I think you see these people who, you know, you couldn't imagine seeing Darren Aronofsky at a wrestling show. No, no. Like, yeah. like if he went to any. I think he. I mean, I think he. He must have done. Yeah. For him to agree to that project, he must have at least a low key appreciation. Um, Yeah, yeah. Stephen Merchant went to. He went to a few because I remember on his Instagram he went to see wrestling beforehand, and he was very. He was very sort of open about you know, the initial sort of, I guess, genesis of the film was... Yeah. Because you know, it was The Rock, wasn't it, who saw uh, the documentary about Page, the wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. gave it to Steve, said to Steve Merchant, you should make this. Which yeah, I think was, yeah. you know, pretty good f- fucking foresight from him, really. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I think Steve Merchant's sort of stylings, arguably not as a server because they are in The Office. Yeah. But yeah. like, you know, they would work for that kind of movie. And as, a, you know, as a sort of... A sort of sports movie, mm. um, it, it works. It works like, perfectly. It, it's, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's a, it, quite yeah. enjoyable movie. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, yeah, the the more you kind of understand it, I guess, and the more you kind of look deeper into it, I think the more impressed, or at least how much of a respect you tend to get for it. Yeah. Um, whether you still like it or it appeals to you or not, I think you're like, yeah fair play like yeah. you know yeah yeah and I think fighting for my family is really good for that like, it's like and it's like good balance between telling this story of like a family who are just like they're larger than life for a bit they're, they're quite eccentric yeah and like it's you know funny and there'll be certain moments which are funny because they're so eccentric and then it's quite heartfelt because you see the mm. love and affection they have how hard they work how you know yeah how much they kind of care about this yeah, like business that they're in. I think there's something there as well about humanising those individuals because the fact that they're so written off, more broadly speaking, by the nature of the industry they've chosen to work in and the sort of requirements on them as people to be these larger-than-life characters, um, I think you know it, there's something more compelling about that, about breaking... It's like almost harder to break into that world but once you do as a result of those films or the documentaries yeah. and you start to see how reality and the wackiness of wrestling intersect because yeah, yeah. reality as silly as it sounds plays quite a significant role in the way the story writers in wrestling write the stories I mean yeah. this is going to get quite nerdy now but you know I remember as a, as a kid my favourite wrestlers one of my favorite wrestlers was Jeff Hardy, and I fucking loved the Hardy Boys. Like I was obsessed with them. And Matt Hardy at the time was in a relationship with Lita, who was a female wrestler. Yeah, famous for the thong that would come 
ridiculously high above the trousers. I mean, uh, the overt sexualization of women in wrestling is definitely problematic in yeah. the modern lens. And yeah. it's something they've actually, I yeah. think, mostly got rid of in modern wrestling, I think. Oh, really? Not okay. not, not, yeah. not, always brilliant. Not not actually, no. Not not hugely, but I think um, the athleticism I, is definitely more appreciated. I, I think and, it's, and a lot more, it. it's a lot more focused now on the athleticism. And then there's always going to be, I think, inherently a kind of... As long as Vince McMahon's in charge, there's always going to be some overt sexualization. Well, he's he's gone no, that's, oh, that's uh, true. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. How could I forget? He's, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he's but... he's he's uh, Gonzo for the moment. He seems to always get away with. Like, he always gets himself out of bloody allegations and stuff. But these seem um, to be sticking a lot more than his than, than the past. Yeah, though. yeah. So I and think I think he, fair play. Yeah, for being true, which I'm good riddance to shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, totally. you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I, yeah, it's always going to be slightly settled. I mean, because ultimately, um. Like it is people who are kind of like muscular, then they're not wearing many clothes, and that's the males and the females. It's quite a kind of like it's it's always going to be slightly sexualized, and like because it's seeing people at their kind of like physical you know, peak, at the right? physical peak of humanity. Interestingly, um, Werner Herzog has talked about this a few times as well, because he's quite fascinated with WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, because he kind of compares it to kind of like gladiators, like that ancient <laughs> yeah, gladiators. Yeah, yeah. And, um That sort of thing where it's these kind of like, yeah, like the, the kind of what they see as like the ultimate in kind of physical appearance. So there's always going to be an inherent kind of sexuality in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely like back in the kind of day, like women were a lot more sexualized than the men. Like it was, especially, oh, in, yeah. the ni- especially in the 90s, oh, in the, the, cru- the crudeness yeah. of 90s and television and stuff and like that as well. And such a kind of like you know that bizarre approach to storytelling testosterone based and you know it's a time of kind of like um you know beavers and butthead american pie like you know like sex 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 and horniness like that there was a lot of women on tv that even if they had like you know yeah, what they wanted was like i did you know did she have a nice backside or like you know and but Lita was also a talented, fantastic wrestler. Yes, yeah, yeah. but sorry, I was. Uh, no, no, it's a worthy segue. But I mean, uh, I basically, I guess it's more for you, Ben. Really, yeah, no, but, no, I'm quite, but, quite. But so, they, so Lita was in a relationship with Matt Hardy at the time, right? Okay, and then Lita had a real life affair with another wrestler called Edge. Oh, okay. not the guitarist from U2. Oh, okay. Um, well, well, I'd love to see him fight Edge in a wrestling match. <laughs> Maybe that's an idea for a storyline. The Edge know? is fine. Yeah. yeah, Edge versus Edge, the ultimate battle. The edging. The edge yeah. off. Yeah. Um, Loser yeah. changes his name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah. idea. Uh, the side? <laughs> Straight to is. the side, oh, yeah. The rim. <laughs> the rim, yeah. And so she had a, a very publicly known affair okay, with, yeah. with Edge. And obviously that caused quite a lot of discontent in the locker room because uh, yeah, obviously okay. she's whatever, all that sort of stuff. And that all kind of unfurls. And the writers then decide to write that into a storyline. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's so, a blurring. Yeah. Thing. So that, again, like it, it's, it's sort of through the lens of this sort of, again, hyper sort of like performative, uh, over the top uh, mm. Dramedy, I guess, in many ways. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, and then Matt Hardy and Edge end up having a match. 
Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, as a result of this, and it becomes like a feud, and oh, there's like a feud, again, wrestling terminology, but like, you know, a feud is something that, that builds the sort of suspense to like a main event, usually. Right, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Titles or whatever. But, and that was real, you know, there was real animosity, real yeah. hatred, and um, yeah. I mean, the way I remember there was a bit where um, Edge and Lita pretended to have sex in a bed in a wrestling ring okay yeah and it was pretty risque right yeah and it, you know mental mental yeah, stuff yeah. you know yeah that's not the thing you'd, you'd show to people to try and win them over with wrestling okay you know? yeah. yeah but like you know it, it's through that prism that's what i find so sort of fascinating about it I'm not sort of trying to sound like i'm over intellectualizing it but like the idea that you know, something very real has happened and there are very real emotions okay, that are, yeah. you know, bubbling. Yeah. And the writer's like, nah, we're going to write this in. And it gets siphoned through this sort of fucking wrestling filter which has to amp everything up to 11, you know? Wow, yeah. Okay. And that happened a lot. Yeah. yeah. But that's what, like, it's... I mean, that's a kind of similar... Because, like, you you know, you hear stories about kind of films being made or plays being made where, like, the kind of actors have had kind of drama backstage or like they've either fallen out or they've had affairs like god like you know like classic Bert, hollywood's full yeah, of it Bert yeah, yeah taylor yeah. like dietrich you know, yeah. like yeah yeah you know david but, lynch and rosalini yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You're right yeah yeah like it's similar but obviously again it's uh on paper or in comparison i guess it's seen as a bit like but, but it's yeah it's in that way like very very similar like you know it, and that shows like the kind of creative nature of it as well, and how like yeah, it's constantly it's it's such a unique, unique kind of art form. Like you can have that, like you can have like the two wrestlers um, pretending to have sex in the middle of a ring, or if you were to watch in Japan, you've got New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, which I've occasionally watched, and they treat it literally like a sport. They you watch the matches and. The, the slaps, the punches, the kicks, they're still, like, still predetermined and they are, like, you know, still in comparison to an actual fight taking it easy. But it looks like they're genuinely kicking two bows out of each other. Okay, and, yeah. <laughs> and the crowd in Japan is where they're not as, like, kind of excitable as, like, the kind of, like, kind of more Western crowd. It's a lot of applauses. It's so it's about technical it, ability. Yeah, it's about it? technical yeah. ability and it's about, like, you know... And they'll have like literally like tournaments, it, like a round robin. Like you'll have like uh, two groups of like yeah, people, and the best two go into like the semis and like the finals. And it's just treated like a sport. And that's why it's so comparable to film and kind of like novels, really, for me, because it's you can portray it in so many different ways. Mm. You can have so many absurd contrasts, but you 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 can literally portray it in any way you want to, and. If it's done well, the audience will buy it. All right then. So I guess we've already sort of alluded to the other films in question, but I, I guess as it's a film podcast, we should probably address <laughs> yeah. them a little bit more. Um, the wrestler for me, I think, is arguably still the best wrestling film. Yeah. Okay. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, I think because it does such a good job of humanizing that element we've sort of previously discussed the sort of the darker side of something that's so fantastical and athletic and sometimes really quite silly Mm. um and i also like that it wrestles with a very sort of tried and tested uh 
sort of character or characterization, which is the sort of you know a, a fallen giant in a sense. You know, someone that in a period of history was you know the guy. You know, in not only yeah. in his industry, but he was so he was almost like the Rockies. You know, someone that is so big, so charismatic that they transcend the industry that they're a part of, and they yeah. and they become this sort of cultural phenomena. Um, and I think that's one of the more sort of compelling elements of the wrestler is him dealing with that, because again, we talk about this idea of uh, these large and life characters. So many of those characters of their era either sink or swim after a certain point mm. and then they are sort of relegated spending their life you know waiting for like callbacks to come back for a blast of nostalgia or they just do the independent circuits and they have to sort of like do things that are far more dangerous as a result um, and I just think that the wrestler does that really well Absol- yeah. absolutely um, I think obviously like it was nice in a way, even though he's. Uh, I don't know what he does now. I think he's just had more surgery and talks about Putin. I think, but um, it was nice that Mickey Rourke had a comeback for a little while <laughs> yeah. because he yeah. was tired. But it was like, good on you, Mickey. Yeah. Now it's like, oh. yeah. <laughs> but then it was like, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> obviously he he's such a he's such a talented actor and he was such a unique screen presence. Mm. And yeah. like yeah, this, yeah. this like. Because initially it was supposed to be Nicolas Cage in the wrestler. Oh wow! Um, oh, but, yeah, it was, wasn't it? But yeah. then, um, yeah, yeah so, uh, and um, like, uh, yeah, Nicolas Cage was doing like the preparation for it and stuff like that. But then I think Mickey Rourke became available or something like that, and like Darren Aronofsky, like kind of saw and kind of in retrospect as well, rightly so, like saw that like, this is there's a meta narrative there, isn't there? There is oh, a there's, yeah. there's yeah. a meta narrative and yeah, you know, like it mirrored a lot of Rick Mickey Rourke's career and like he looked the part like yeah, it like it couldn't have been more perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like and Nicolas Cage I think has even said as well, like like he graciously stepped aside. It was no like yeah, he was like yeah. absolutely he was like, like I've just been lifting weights for three months. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean pay for this castle in fucking northern Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dinosaur eggs yeah. that I own. She's <laughs> <Yeah>. Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. although I absolutely would have loved to see Nicolas Cage's take on it. But um, yeah, I mean, it would definitely, yeah, yeah. But I'm glad that film, he yeah. graciously stepped aside. A- absolutely, and yeah, yeah like so, Mickey Rourke was perfect for it. He looked the part, um, like, and even it's the opening scene, it's like one of the opening scenes as well. It's when it's just him like picking out like thumbtacks and staples yeah, out yeah, of yeah, his yeah. back, yeah. and and it just shows, and that's like, yeah, and like we were talking about earlier on in the episode, like that's that. That wasn't even. That was not like a big show. That was like, right in front of a couple of hundred people for like you know like a little bit of change. Like yeah, yeah. And that's you know it does encapsulate a little bit of that life, especially like yeah when you know you're you know for lack of better word and lack of nuance, like you're a bit of a were seen as a has been. Yeah, he definitely is, isn't he? Um, And like it's like really tragic and. Like the way he's like he's just trying to rebuild his kind of relationship with those he's kind of abandoned in the pursuit of either personal glory or just personal enjoyment because obviously mm. you know a lot of that life is like being on the road with the boys, getting yeah. the beers in and just mm. you know mm. like family and 
kind of like yeah yeah and it shows somebody kind of realizing it's our like well even battling with it because like yeah it's like it's not just like i regret it like he also misses it he misses Mm. the he misses the life yeah yeah yeah. but he also like yeah there's a remorseness there's a sadness and i think the film perfectly like encapsulates all of that it's only in the decline of his career that he sees the merit in family relationships and as the film progresses and there's the sniff of opportunity that he can return to former glory yeah the battle comes back that sort of internal battle between chasing that high and or the maintenance of the relationships that he's slowly rebuilding yeah um he is very good at uh there's a shot that he does he repeats this time and time again throughout his films it's very simple just a mid shot following someone around basically so you see yeah 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 and uh, there's a lot of that in the wrestler uh alluding to what you said before lee about the staples him picking the staples out of his back yeah but i do remember thinking at the time of like this is it's like you know that camera angle you get pre-wrestling match when they're and unboxing as well like it's it's the silhouette, right, of the person yeah, coming into the yeah. ring, yeah. and all the lights are in front of them, and you see, you don't you see their face, you just see their name, and it's yeah. almost like Aronofsky's like, right, I'm just going to carry on with that throughout the whole yeah. film, and so what happens afterwards, yeah, and getting yeah, a glimpse yeah. into this guy's life. Yeah. I just thought that's just great. Kind of popped yeah. into my head now, what a, what a kind of way to use that sort of the act of the camera following someone. It's, yeah, it's almost yeah. demystifying it, isn't it? It's like. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's usually seen in that kind of way. It's like yeah, they go to the ring or like yeah, you know whatever. Yeah. It's in such a kind of like it's made make, making them look like a big deal. Mm, yeah. But then it but then it's used in other ways where it's like well actually this person isn't a big deal now. Alienates yeah. them and isolates them. Doesn't yeah. It? Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, I like the rest of a lot. I um I, I do need to sort of revisit it, but. Mm. I remember it being a very one of his most matter-of-fact films because he's quite yeah. into, he's quite into his sort of spiritual highfalutin sort yeah. of yeah yeah I, uh, I think that was yeah. one of those where he just he knew he just needed to tell the story yeah because sometimes the story speaks for itself like and like I think he was smart enough there to know yeah but he didn't need to bring Jesus into it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For a, 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 a sort of like ladder Cameo. match, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Mickey Rourke versus Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the film also taps into um, something I wanted to sort of discuss a little bit, um, particularly with like, I mean, my knowledge of this sort of area of wrestling isn't that great, but like backyard wrestling, yes, the sort of yeah. like perverse sort of masochism, of, yeah, of it. like it's fucking horrible. Like my Instagram. That's the only thing I can just get on my Instagram now. Uh, I mean, it's better than Jordan Peterson videos, but um, <laughs> which are everywhere, always. Yeah. You know, like backyard wrestling videos of like people being smashed through glass and thrown through stuff. And oh, is it that yeah. guy? I think is it his name? He called Superhuman, who he um, literally just like ju- con- is constantly jumping on, um, like really crazy stuff where it's either like glass or barbed wire and he always goes here's to my juggalos and juggalites of any like just always it's not jumps. that guy i know who you mean yeah yeah i know who you mean i think he's <laughs> definitely sort of riding on the back of that but like it's uh it's weird you mentioned him actually it's, it came on my feet today funnily enough um 
you really can make money doing anything, can't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, tune in to the next episode of Cineboys to Cinemen, where uh, as a as a trio, uh, we will be uh, jumping on a microwave. Ba- microwave covered in barbed wire and Lego. And fox piss. And fox piss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's just for the enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, I've got it all prepared. Yeah. What all those I've foxes been, were doing in that cage. Yeah, yeah, I've been knackered. I've been running around... <laughs> Eastern in Bristol, just catching foxes. It's taking me ages, and then filling them full of Evian, so they, so they piss in jugs, so I can like use it. Honestly, if you guys don't appreciate it, I'll be furious. I'll be bitten. I don't want rabies. Yeah. Quite expensive that you've gone for specifically just Evian as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've got to treat the foxes right. WWF after all. Yeah, not, not that yeah. horrible. The looming shadow. Not, not that horrible Bristol Council water. Oh, God, no, yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to kill them. No, exactly. No, no. I do have the fox's best interests at heart. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do no, think... Take that, Bristol City Council. Yeah, we're raggling you now. Yeah. boys are on to you now. We yeah. know your game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I challenge you, Marvin Rees, at WrestleMania. <laughs> Get in my Ford Escort. <laughs> I challenge you, WrestleMania, Cabot Circus. <laughs> Dizzy Rascal was there yesterday. There we go, triple threat. Triple threat. <laughs> it writes itself. <laughs> Fuck it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> One half of the midi boys. I'm going, I'm going to pure gym later to bulk up to bulk take up. them both on. Yeah. That is a match. Hey, you know, you so really rem- someone wants to make it, make it. I heard Wayne Rooney might be getting into boxing, get him involved, yeah, like yeah. Fatal 4-Way. It's really reminiscent of uh, when Booker T got attacked by Stone Cold at the supermarket. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sh- you should do like fighting Claire's accessories. Yeah. <laughs> Piercing each other's... Backs. Oh, excellent, yeah. excellent, yeah. I'll throw a like chicken tender at him and slim chickens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some bang average chips from Frankie yeah. at Benny's. Yeah. <laughs> and Benny's, not that bad, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Frankie in Benny's. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Uh, no. No, you're all right. Uh, don't worry. Yeah. Frankie versus Benny will be on the undercut. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there is something about that element of it, which I think is what it, it sort of aids the more troubling aspects of the film in terms of the uh, the destruction of the body. Yeah, the yeah. Of, you know, satisfying like a hundred men in a, in a in a fucking town hall somewhere. You know. Yeah. Mm. The film captures that really well, and we always talk about you know, classic wrestling is more famously known for being that more brutal. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In a yeah. way that modern wrestling isn't. And I just wonder about that in terms of like, that is the sort of darker element of it, isn't it? Yeah. The idea of being like, oh no, I want to see someone you get thrown into, like, yeah, obviously, yeah, you know, it's still going to be as safe as it can be. But I, but then I think maybe in backyard wrestling, maybe it isn't always as well, uh, you know. Well, well, it's like, like, I mean, what, what is good about the wrestling as well? It shows as well. It's like, there's, there is only so much. Again, for lack of a better word, there's only so much you can fake it. Yeah. Um, there's also a good documentary. I can't remember if it was on HBO or ESPN. And it was about Ric Flair. And he shows on camera how to blade, which uh, is when you yeah. see when you see a wrestler oh, bleeding. I think I've seen, yeah. 
and I've seen that. <laughs> like, show, and what they do, they get like a little razor blade, and they do like a little slice in like your forehead or just wherever it is, and then like obviously when the when the other when your opponent then kind of hits you or does whatever. Like the the wound's already been slightly open, so they don't need to do much. But then, like when their arm comes away, uh, they're pouring with blood, mm, and it yeah. kind of gives it that authenticity. Mm. And I think the wrestler's good in that way as well, and it shows it with the staples and with like kind mm. of like your the, your hardcore yeah. matches. It shows the visceralness, and it shows it's like yeah, like you know, like they've planned this out and they've discussed it, and like there's certain things like. But they're still in pain, they're still hurting, and yeah. they're still, like, doing all this to entertain a crowd of 100 people, 100, like, drunk people, just, like, kind of, like, you know, like, like desperate sort of for blood. Thirst, yeah, it's just, like, say, yeah. thirsty for Unless it goes back to pain. Herzog, doesn't the gladiatorial yeah. element. Yeah. yeah. You must yeah. not avert your eyes, that, that thing. Exactly, yeah. 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 And, um... <laughs> Like um, it shows that, and it's like again, it's not, it's not looking looking down at it or anything like. It's just they again, it's it's sh- it's showing its respect. It's showing the kind of like the artistry of it, but it's also showing, especially in his character, in Rick, Mickey Rourke's character, the like the, the tragicness of mm, accentuates ha- that, doesn't it? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like he's like he's doing all this, and like what? Yeah, he's not getting much in return anymore like yeah he's done all that and he might have been big in the 80s or whatever but like you know he's like now like, like a butcher in a supermarket and his daughter's kind of only just like you know just barely talking to him tentatively entertaining the idea of rekindling yeah the relationship yeah, yeah. so um, i think it's a really good and like very accurate kind of portrayal of that like that industry, yeah, like, you yeah. know, and that life, and you know, a, a, a certain. I don't think it's particularly based on one person, but I think there's probably a few kind of wrestlers that you could probably point at and go like, yeah, there's bits of him in there, like yeah. you know, mm. and um, especially for someone like yes, yeah, like like we said, like you, you can't imagine kind of Darren Aronofsky being the most hardcore wrestling fan, but he's really kind of you know he really captured it so kind of perfectly he really did yeah Yeah. i agree Mm. as an aside uh i only recently found out that uh mickey rourke actually worked at a deli counter for a bit oh really oh okay oh man really served yeah gowder (laughs) yeah by mickey rourke get six on us six Mickey, come on. Come on, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Do research for a film. Yeah. Like. Still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still do want 100, yeah. exactly 100 grams. Yeah. <laughs> How about researching by doing your job properly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Think of that. Yeah. Oh. Then getting battered by him. Yeah, yeah. He'd just come find me, wouldn't he? Just... Yeah. <laughs> With the olives. Yeah, yeah. He'd drown me in them. Yeah. <laughs> in the oil. You'll be, yeah, getting, you'll be picking the olives out your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drowning in olive oil. That'd be a terrible way to go. Oh, I, I mean, unique, you know. Yeah. You'd, there'd be an article written about you, but it wouldn't necessarily portray you in be the most positive light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> be a, a weird funeral. Yeah. <laughs> don't, um, don't mention... Quite how. expensive yeah. Quite expensive as well, considering how much oil you would need to drown in as well. Yeah. Yeah, vegetable oil. Yeah. Yeah. shot of the day, like, yeah. the other day. Today. Yeah. Uh, 
That started to sound like a fucking, uh, you know. What's a deal with olive oil? What's a deal with olive oil? <laughs> yeah. I fucking love it. Third pressing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it is expensive. Yeah, it is. So, it's like fucking £3.50. I mean, it, and Mickey Rourke at that stage in his career, it's like he can't afford that much olive oil to drown someone. No. No. Uh, we never know. I don't know. Is he, is he, did he have any sort of angel heart check scrolled away? I'm not Maybe. sure. Maybe. Maybe. That's what he shouted as people were having a go at him at the yeah. counter. I was in Angel Heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was Harry Angel in Angel Heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So cut me some slack. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, and then I said, how about you cut me some gouda? <laughs> <laughs> and then he drowned me in olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you survived, thankfully. Yeah, I lived yeah. to uh, yeah. tell yeah. the tale. Yeah. Yeah. Slippery, though. Slippery yeah, as ever. Yeah, yeah. And with high blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting with my family. Yes. Uh, I'm not just saying that I've. <laughs> I'm not going to detail all for my family issues. Yeah. Um, of course, talking about the film, definitely lighter than The Wrestler. Yeah, it's, a, it's the kind of film that, had it been made by, like, sort of less experienced hands it would have been like straight to TV sort of thing but yeah it does actually, have a vibe about it doesn't it yeah not to its detriment necessarily but no but it's a day. it's definitely that debut by someone who's been in the industry a long time but has never directed before like the camera doesn't do anything particularly interesting the writing's great but it's just it's serviceable in that respect but like, yeah. I mean it launched Florence Pugh's career so you know mm. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I did like it, and I think, I, I yeah. think it just sort of, it could have done, you know, had it got the Aronofsky treatment, it would have been a much different film, and it would have lost a lot of the humour, but yeah. the central message might have been kind of... I, th- I think I think the problem it has is it it's a film for, and it's a, such a weird, you never think these two would come together, it's a film for and WWE Studios production, oh. Oh. and... I think that's. I think the problem is not necessarily film four. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think they're in the clear here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, if you look at the track records of both film companies, um, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think the problem is obviously like it's got WWE's hands all over it in terms of like it wants to be a bit clean and a bit kind of like, you know. Didn't want to be too controversial. Didn't really want to show too much how I guess nasty or kind of cynical the wrestling business can be. Yeah, and it's and especially because it was made before all these Vince McMahon allegations have come out. Um, not that I know anything that he did to Paige or anything, but like uh, it certainly wasn't probably shown how creepy some of those WWE executives probably were oh, yeah. <laughs> to yeah, a yeah, young yeah. woman trying to make it in the wrestling business. Um, but um, so it's like it is a bit clean. Yeah, it's, it's very sanitized. It's very sanitized. It does show elements of like yeah. how hard it is to be a wrestler and like the kind of like struggles of like a wrestling family trying to just kind of make ends meet because like yeah. you know they are still just like a working class family in Norwich. Yeah, I liked um, that part. Of it. Yeah, that was my favorite. And that part, was, and they, yeah. that was the best bits. Where it's when yeah. it when it was them and the family in Norwich. Like it's when it went to America with the WWE. Like you lost you, it, didn't you? You lost it. I lost interest for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you are right. Like yeah, in terms of like visually, it's not that kind of like impressive. Yeah. But like what Stephen Merchant's very good at 
and what he learnt with his years working with Ricky Gervais as well. It's that balance of like funny, taking the mick, but also like having a heart and like having a sensitive side. Mm. And like showing love between that family as well, and like you know the, yeah, the how yeah. they kind of like, have each other's back. It's restraint as well on his part. I think Stephen yeah. Merchant is I've always said it, but I feel like looking back at like his career office extras, I think, yeah, and certainly seeing Ricky Gervais as he works on his own, that Stephen Merchant's talents are yeah. He's very, good. very central. I think to the brilliance of their collaborative work. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah. And it, it does go to show because fighting my family has a real sort of that kind of warm British heart about it, which can win me over or can irritate me. And in this case, it sort of won me over. So, but it restrained yeah. itself enough. I think it, 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 it. I feel like Merchant can sort of like he won't over egg it necessarily. No, no. no yeah, definitely. Vince um, Vaughn's in it. Not his yeah. first time working in sort of vaguely sort of English production. Yeah, Bowls. What's the bowling film called? Uh, not Kingpin. That's American, wasn't it? Black uh, Ball. Black Ball. Black Ball. Filmed oh, in Torquay. Man. That. Oh, really? Parts of it. Yeah, big film in Torquay. There you go. <laughs> Everyone was asking for it. Um, and, and by God, he'd we get got to turn it. Yeah. The Christmas lights as well. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so good. Yeah. Him and Peter Andre had to have a hell of a sell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hardcore. And Peter match. Andre lost, so he did it in Coventry with Katie Price. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, Torquay's loss is Coventry's yeah, gay. Exactly. As I'm sure exactly, you'd agree. Yeah, you know. um, We've never quite hit those heights again. No. Is Steve Milhern at all? Uh, sadly not. Sadly not. But I did uh, once serve him in a McDonald's in Canterbury. And, uh, I bet he was a twat. Actually a very nice guy. Oh, whatever. Ah. <laughs> whatever. Sorry to, sorry to say it. <laughs> whatever. You've been paid off by him. You shill. <laughs> um, He's actually also buying this podcast, so uh, <laughs> yeah. you guys are now magic boys to magic men. <laughs> we have to go on a panto with him, aren't we now? Yeah, you are. You can keep the podcast, and I won't yeah. have any editorial rights, but yeah. Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Well, I, I, I always thought like, you were going to be doing um, Peter Pan with um, David Suchet as uh, Captain Hook. I mean... I'd quite like to meet David Suchet, so yeah. it's not all bad. All I'm saying is, if there's some sort of David Suchet panto, I think maybe it should be reviewed this year on the podcast. <laughs> we could break into theatre, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That would be yeah, episode okay. 100. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suchet guest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd love to sort of like chloroform him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe do the podcast as a sort of like shed in the Orkney Islands. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go on to let's go, on to, the, let's go on to the Iron Claw. I mean, yeah, we're an hour and twenty-four, and we spoke about the we're, we're all film. good. Yeah, we're all sure good. you don't want yeah. to talk another hour and twenty about the things you want to do to David Suchet or? Okay, so <laughs> Iron Claw. Yeah. Um, yeah, what were your initial thoughts, Daddy? Because I know you main you said to me you kind of mainly liked it, but do you have some reservations as well? Um, I, 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 my reservations came from the trailer in the sense that the trailer in classic A twenty four A twenty four star. I think it, I thought it gave far too much away. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think obviously that's a very common criticism with a lot of trailers, but I sort of thought A24 was sort of better than that uh, mm. in a way. But it, it was very much something immediately I thought 
this looks very formulaic. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that necessarily is a criticism because, as we've spoken about before, like if you adhere to formula, uh, it can work. Like yeah, you can inject yeah. your own spin on that formula, and you can you can be rigid, but you can still find something worthwhile in it. Like we've spoken yeah, about yeah. that a lot. The context of action films, and, yeah, yeah, you know, like you can absolutely still make a great film within the confines of a certain genre and the mm. formula that dictates it. Um, but I was just thinking, I, I don't know, maybe it was because the trailer was out tickling the watershed for so long, it began to grate on me more and more, this idea that formula was, oh God. Mm. Um, and after coming out of the film, I think my attitude towards those sort of preconceived criticisms yeah, was, yeah. Was, were largely vindicated because it is very formulaic. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, it's, it is a, it's like... It's the kind of thing that Walk Hard mocked, right? And they're still yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's the biopic problem. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know, I I didn't go in expecting it and I would say to to anyone, you know, wanting to go and see it, like, or sort of on the fence for whatever reason. Yeah. But like, you know, like, don't on the go... Edge. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> edging. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't go in expecting anything to reinvent the wheel. Mm. However... I think whereas there is an element of that which did detract from the, my overall enjoyment a smidge, mm. it didn't prevent me from not enjoying the movie. Yeah, I thought yeah. I, I actually came out and I enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. solid. Yeah, yeah, solid across the board. Yeah, I thought the uh, emotionally overall we kind of hit the emotions quite hard, especially the end, the very last scene. I, lo- I that won me over, and I think that might be a bit polarizing. Yeah, because... we, funny enough, we talked about this as, uh, over my bubbling egg Indian curry. Ooh, okay, which uh, was yeah. delicious, I understand. Thanks. Yeah, yeah Danny made the curry. It was delicious. It was really nice. I make curries. Unusual. Yeah. David Suchet, if you're listening, I'm okay at curry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Obviously, like yeah. So the Iron Claw is about like the Von Erich family, yeah, who were an art uh, family, like a multi generation family of wrestlers um the patriarch is fritz von erich who yeah. um according to the and uh, he yeah he i think came to prominence in like the 40s and 50s and um, he wasn't actually called von erich he changed his name he was an american but at the time it's around world war Two, and von erich was a good bad guy name because it yeah. was like very it give off very nazi connotations so he's gonna get a lot of booing and like you know um so he was a patriarch of a family, and then he had can't even remember how many children because there's because uh, in the film there's four, five, five, including the young one that dies. That dies yeah, there's yeah, five. There's, there's five children in the film, and there is also one that was not in the film. But yeah, four of them uh, also were professional wrestlers as well in their own rights. Uh, yeah, the various successes are uh, all obviously following their father's footsteps, and they're kind of considered like kind of one of the most influential wrestling families of their time. Um, they had a wrestling promotion because this is back in the wrestling territory days. Um, you know, pre WWE domination, where you know. Yeah, they were one of the big hitters in the wrestling kind of industry. You know, it follows the kind of tragic story of... It's the curse, isn't it? It's like... Yeah. It's the Von Erich curse, which was uh, kind of falsely attributed to bad luck, whereas, you know, the kind of film examines it in a more kind of matter-of-fact way. Of it might actually be of the way they've been brought up and the way 
that their kind of strengthened bond with each other is actually partially the result of kind of having to endure uh, a, a, a forced lifestyle. Yeah, I, feel, I, don't, I don't, like it, it. Constantly battles with that, and um, like the main character, like yeah, it's it's him fighting with it as well. It's that like I think ma- many of us in life have had moments of good luck, and we've had moments of bad luck. And sometimes, if you get on like if you get a period of like bad luck, not to the extent of this film, just to clarify, yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, yeah. it's hard for you to sit like you know you might think so. Like, I must be cursed, or there's yeah. like there's, like, there's no. Yeah. way out of this but like you know there's I think no what... way this could be circumstance like, yeah got to be something you attribute it to some sort of like other yeah. you know this sort of otherworldly force that yeah, is yeah. targeting yeah. you and then it's, it's a way of it's like catharsis isn't it yeah yeah it's a way out yeah, yeah it's a way of feeling like you know it's a skate it's attributing a scapegoat to a higher being yeah, yeah. when it's just all over you. rotten yeah. luck yeah exactly and the film wrestles wrestled with that quite quite a bit um especially uh, in the sort of how zach efron conducts himself and how he brings up his own child and yeah that is a really interesting sort of theme i thought and i handled that quite well yeah Mm. absolutely and like yeah a lot a lot of its look a lot Mm. of its like circumstance and a lot of it like well you know that they're adults in the film, but you know, for lack of a better word, these you know they're all kind of children of uh, the patriarch. Mm. Um, he's he's a very domineering, he's a very forceful person, and you know they all want to do him proud. Mm. They don't want to let him down. They want to be the best they can be, and you know I'm sure maybe some of it's for himself, but a lot of it is for the dads. Like yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of this. Um, you know they bring up uh, Fritz's need for somebody in the family to win uh, the uh, NWA's uh, World Heavyweight Championship, which of course uh, it, you know it being wrestling, it's not something you win legitimately by fighting. It's it's something you win by. It's like a promotion, but, isn't it? Yeah, it's That's a promote. It's, it's it's like a cross promotion, so it will go from territory to territory. And like uh, in wrestling, you know, obviously you don't win the championship by being the strongest fighter. You win the championship by being the most marketable, the most impressive, like, you know, whether that's, like we said earlier, whether it's by being the most hated bad guy or the mm. most heroic hero <laughs> or basically being the person who draws in the most money and that's what it's you know that's but, the performance based element of it isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. who's going to sell most tickets if you're the the world's heavyweight champion and that's a real bugbearer of Fritz like he mm. wants one of his children to be that heavyweight champion because he never got it because he feels like he was screwed out of it yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's very um, reminiscent of many stories of like and this is any industry or very like you've you have like he's very forceful he's very aggressive he like i feel like he's probably is like heart's probably in the right place but it's inherently misguided that's my take on it anyway but like he's yeah. very like you like forcing them in a kind of non-emotional way to just like be the best at everything and pushing them no matter what it's a very masculine it's a very yeah you're putting on a sh- put on a, a show 
the entire time. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Even, even when you're at your brother's funeral. Yeah. You yeah. can't cry. You have to yeah, yeah. You have to maintain composure and you have to present yourself as a success to the world. Yeah. No matter the cost. Yeah. Like yeah, that's the, the kind of Yeah. Thing. The most misguided kind of like toxic masculinity kind of way to look mm. at emotion oh just ev- everything really like yeah. you know um yeah. agreed yeah and in many ways like that does take its toll on every single one of the the family the yeah. family yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah completely it's sort of their you know it, it, it's this sort of idea that obviously they aren't allowed to have struggle yeah exactly they're not allowed to have struggles and they're not allowed to you know express them anyway and and through that through being able to sort of say you know i'm not doing very well or i'm feeling that this is too much yeah you know the catharsis that comes with that none of that's allowed and i think it is like a really sort of quite an effective comment on that on that front on the idea that dealing with any sort of trouble in a way that is sort of more befitting for this sort of archetypal mm. uh, figure of masculinity is ultimately self-destructive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's incredibly heartbreaking, I think. And I think you're right, Lee, in the sense that whilst the father figure, Fritz, isn't necessarily painted in a particular good uh, light, as he shouldn't necessarily... I think there is a bit of nuance there and pathos in him. I think you can mm. definitely tell that he obviously loves his kids and wants the best for them. But I think his own demons, the way he the way he manages his own demons, isn't through expression and through through gentleness and uh, yeah. it's through it's through grit, it's grit through and, force, and brutish, it's yeah, yeah. and. Yeah. You know that's his version of love, and of course, as we've sort of discussed in the film, that is not something that's going to lead to, you know, a sort of you know creating individuals that can handle the rigors and difficulties of life in in a sort of more nuanced and appropriate manner. But you know, I do think you're right in that. Whilst obviously I staunchly oppose the overall the overarching weapons of parenthood that he deploys, he's not evil. No, he's not presented as evil, I don't think. I think he's presented as, like you say, very misguided, uh, primarily through sort of an opening scene where he's providing for his family, right? And and he's kind of built up this this ethos through his own career and potentially through his own experience as a child as well, and he's just passing it on. And there's that sense also that he's kind of passed it on to David as well and Zac Efron and the way he's... Well, not David and Zac Efron, <laughs> uh, because he starts to inhabit the same mindset as well. Yeah, before yeah. ultimately rejecting it. There's a. Well, I, th- I actually think my favourite scene in this film is I can't remember the wrestler he fights. He basically pummels him. Oh, Ric Flair. Yeah, Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then Ric Flair comes to the dressing room afterwards after he's been disqualified. And there's a sense that you think he's going to kick off, and he just goes, "Oh, that was great, man! I can't believe you did that." Who and like, who wants to get fucked up? And this is this moment where uh, David just realizes that this guy doesn't put as nearly as much importance on the sport as he does, and he just re- And from that moment on in the film, he his attitude just sort of changes completely, and he becomes a lot. He sort of rejects his his dad's influence on him, and he starts to 
see his son again because he doesn't believe the curse is real because he realizes it's all uh, sort of a facade at least that's what i got from it anyway yeah. i'd say it's like interestingly because me and danny were also talking about this scene i def i definitely understand what you mean and it's yeah. and i definitely like it, i absolutely take all those points of i think it's more that like he realizes that maybe like Ric Flair loves the wrestling lifestyle and he's all about that and he's unshackled isn't he yeah and then David realises that actually no this is all kind of meaningless yeah like I actually just love my family and that's what I care about yeah yeah because like because Ric Flair actually like as a wrestler he is considered one of the greatest wrestlers of all time yeah okay and He's a very flawed and very problematic individual because he lived the wrestling lifestyle way too much. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, that's it's not his film, so that's not uh, in there. So, and that is it is a really good, the only problem with it though is, and I think me and Danny talked about this as well. The act of playing Ric Flair is actually horrendous. <laughs> oh, um, he's shite. I've yeah. heard this from someone else. Yeah, really could, weird. Because really, really I didn't mind him because I don't know I don't know who Ric Flair is. <laughs> so, yeah. But if you like so if you it'll be interesting, maybe after this we'll show you a clip of Ric Flair. It's so it's almost as if he's never seen Ric Flair before, or he'd just seen a clip of Ric Flair before like they played the camera and he's trying <laughs> to do it. Um because he it makes sense for the scene, actually, that he is a bit more subdued because if he was more like the actual Ric Flair, I think it would actually be quite distracting. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't mind him in that moment. In that, in that mm. context, in promo, it, it works. Could... But <laughs> in terms of like him, actually, his portrayal of Ric Flair, it's like it's well off. That's really um, strange because I because yeah. without context, I didn't. That didn't yeah. speak to me at all. Yeah. I really loved that scene. Yeah, I no, but like, and, I, I like that scene and, too. And yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, just to clarify that, like, yeah, that scene where they're actually like in the locker room yeah. is great, and yeah. it works in that completely. But there's a little bit before, you know, he's he's cut in the promo yeah, as he's going yeah, yeah. to the ring, and mm. it's a bit more, and like it's seen as almost like kind of like talking to david on a more spiritual level it's going for subtlety and it makes sense in terms of like communicating to the character but in terms of like rick flair it's actually like it's well off yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) but yeah like um but sorry i think it was a bit of a sidetrack but that was also another thing i needed to get off the chest really but um i think it's also important to obviously add the caveat like i say these things in terms of oh it's not like the kind of like wrestler that I know but one of the things about the film is it isn't just for wrestling fans it's it is this is a way for people to understand it so there'll be certain things where I'm like oh yeah maybe it's not as kind of like accurate or it's not like that but that's I got also put my kind of film fan or kind of like you know like you know your writers kind of head like this is for people who haven't seen wrestling before or like don't mm. have as much of an interest. So they just need to get into the story and understand the characters and understand why they're doing this and not, mm. you know, like, yeah, like, like anything where you talk about real life subjects, like there are always going to be things that are not necessarily the most accurate or certain liberties taken, but you know, you sometimes need that to make it a bit more palatable for a kind of mass audience. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd add that point. No, no, I think you're right to add it. And I think, in a way, 
you know there is something inherently cinematic in in their story and in their yeah. arc and yeah. of course and you know not only that but the, the the business of wrestling and the industry for all the things we've just spent fucking ages talking about you know <laughs> there's something inherently cinematic about that yeah and i think it's i think you're right to bring those qualms to the table but i think you're also right to say well this is still you know you've got to make a narrative out of this yeah and you've got to you've yeah. got to make sense of it all i mean in that a way was... that fits the sort of you know yeah storytelling that needs to be done exactly yeah told. within a, within like a two-hour time frame and that's why they cut out one of the brothers was because i think sean durkin literally says like i don't think the audience can take this no i don't think like you were saying about the repetition the, mm, kind of the repetition of trauma like it feels almost unbelievable yeah how, i mean you know i i don't want i'm not saying that in a way that you know my my intention with saying that is not to you know make light of no it, god but, no, but you know yeah. You know, it almost seems unbelievable that they Stranger they, they went fiction, through this. Yeah, like I problem. mean, it is you you don't you don't want it to look like the baseball episode of The Simpsons, right? Okay, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. Um, uh, for lack of better analogy, um, <laughs> you know, no, no, um, quite like that. Yeah, yeah I do. You, yeah, yeah I if I you have do. like yeah. kind of like yeah, like a lot of it happens enough in the film that like yeah, they at some you know, there's like there is only so much an audience could take. Yeah, of the same. I think because it's in, like it seems quite harsh and quite kind of tone deaf to say it, but like from a narrative point of view, I don't think you could probably get away with having the same almost repetitive trauma happen again and again and again, and have an audience stick with it. Yeah, like yeah, they do a good job of capturing the essence of yeah, the but they do without, yeah without being uh, like a is it disrespectful. I mean, what did I mean? What was the sort of because obviously I know a surviving member of the Von Erich family has been was heavily involved, and he went to the screening. And I, from what I am, I, I, the impression I get, he was quite complimentary about the movie. Mm. Um, I, th- I think from what I hear, he obviously I think probably had some issues, but he also understand. I mean, he's understanding enough, kind of similar to like a film's a film, and. If it's told well enough, it's gonna make people want to look into it more. Inspires yeah. further research and understanding. Yeah, yeah, and and like you know, to have something like this happen, like there is unfortunately gonna be liberties taken. Mm, um, yeah. You could argue I, it is, but I think, like you're saying, it, it promotes the, the yeah sort of active audiences to look into it more. Um, maybe it's disrespectful slightly to Chris. But yeah, not yeah. to the yeah. family. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think ultimately it's it'd be up for kind of other members of that family to decide to take offence or not, really, mm. rather than like kind of I guess us per se. Like, yeah, you know, like you know, I could understand if somebody did like you know if they had a like family member who found it tasteless and a bit disrespectful, I could. I'm yeah. not. I, w- I certainly wouldn't be telling them that they're wrong to think that. No. But yeah. if David, who was kind of a, you know for a big part like kind of front and center of a lot of this, like if he's kind of okay with it, who am I to tell him he's wrong? Mm. Yeah, that's know. a fair point. 
And um, again, the, the film does adequately service the sort of aforementioned themes that we've discussed about yeah. the perils of living under that kind of, through the shadow, the looming shadow of your father's sort of failures and desires and the sort of servitude to, you know, a very sort of classically over, and overtly, you know, masculine patriarch. You know, the film is pretty explicit in covering the sort of the, the sort of trauma and damage as a result of living under that, and I think yeah, you know, and I think from a narrative perspective uh, and a film's perspective, the inclusion of another tragic moment of you know pure tragedy is is would perhaps maybe would have been too much yeah, um, but I yeah. just think it's interesting, and I think I think it speaks more broadly. I think we spoke about this before when discussing sort of Napoleon and biopics, you know, the, the, you know, it's a sort of balancing act, you know, yeah, you've got to balance yeah. the history with, you know, making a story palatable and accessible for a broad audience. And that yeah. in itself invites a whole additional layer of debate, which yeah. we could have for hours. Oh yeah. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, I think the film does a pretty serviceable job with the story it decides to tell. And even if the omission, there is definitely potential for some, you know, quite a lot, problematic something problematic about that i think overall you know i think it it, it, it merits it yeah, yeah i think so i think yeah so the ending won, won me over like i, yeah, it didn't I win got me over interesting okay yeah I so thought it was naff really what the yeah. bit where he, his kid's like um, spoilers ahead d- yeah. uh, spoilers um but also i guess like um this is based on a true story so all this happened so I don't know how much is it a spoiler when like it is based on a true story. I mean, not that like everybody you know knows about the Von Erichs. Yeah. Like if you go into like a workplace, go, oh, did <laughs> you know what happened to the Von Erichs? Who the fuck's a Von Erichs? Um, I think but if we, like, if we're, we're giving away the emotional crux of the of the kind of personal story. It might sort of be a spoiler. I mean, still. I mean, the like, assumption is with our uh, expansive listener base is that they've either watched the film or they're not that bothered. I mean, they don't care, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Spoil away, big boy. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, I mean, it doesn't spoil what happens really if it's just the final scene, does it? No, no, no. Um, you can cry, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. we see uh, somebody um, <laughs> didn't enjoy it, um, um, but I, I think I'm with you, Ben. Um, just yeah. because I feel like, yeah, it like it's it is quite saccharine and it's quite Natural you know, acting, like. But but <laughs> but what I, what I will say is what goes on in the film and the amount of tragedy and the amount of sadness and just. Like yeah, the hor- the horrible stuff that happens, mm. and and the kind of sweetness of Zac Efron's character, yeah, yeah, and his family dynamic. I think it warrants it, and I think it earns it. So it doesn't feel as corny to me. Like okay, yeah, I understand why people wouldn't like it but i think it's earned yeah i feel i feel like the well for a start apparently the line i used to be a brother was lifted from the documentary oh really I, I, yeah. that's what i've heard i've not seen it but um that kind of threw me i liked yeah. that line i used to okay. be a brother because it did sort of it hammered home the tragedy of, of you know the various kinds of suicides um yeah well there's yeah there's, there's a lot of it is horrible I mean, yeah you know, yeah you know it is i mean we were sort of saying earlier like it 
if this was written by someone and not based on truth, it would be like this is too much. Yeah, yeah. the fact that it is real, yeah, it is, it is, yeah, it is just you know the amount of grief that you just can't yeah. even begin to imagine the, that kind um, of yeah, for yeah. a family at all. I actually sort of semi agree with you. Yeah, um, I just yeah, I, I don't know. The, the acting was ropey. I thought, and I thought Efron's performance was. Alongside Jeremy Allen White, the star of the show, mm. um, and that, that moment great. just sort of slightly derailed it for me a little bit. Okay, but I understand the thematic intention, the basis of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, which yeah. you know, you know, the film is for me alongside about obviously about being in the wrestling industry. It's a cautionary tale, sort of drenching your offspring in the sort of hyper masculinity. You know, the yeah. sort of the stiff upper lip. The idea of you know using physical strength. And stoicism to sort of uh, combat mm. all of life's com- troubles and complications, yeah. and, and to live vicariously through your offspring as well. Yes, like yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. Big thing. Absolutely. He he is. He wants to kind of retain the glory that yeah. he had and has now lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's crucial to understand that that's pretty much what the film's about. But ultimately, that tendency from a f- sort of fathers to sons is like really quite destructive it's um, a classic thing isn't it you, yeah so that sort of thing about like you know you hear about so many parents that live vicariously through their children you know yeah. they sort of you, you have know, to be better than me yeah yeah so, please yeah. don't make the mistakes you know yeah, yeah. you know i wanted to be a guitar player and i work at curry's yeah you know here's a guitar yeah you don't even house do you play it yeah. you know I, I'm assuming that might happen. Well, I'm assuming that exact scenario has happened. Um, Tonight sponsors. <laughs> um, Jordan's cut. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no. But I think you're right. The idea of, of of you know living vicariously through your children and uh, and that being something that is potentially incredibly dangerous thing to do. The pressure you yeah. put on the children, and you also deprive the children their individuality and their choice. Yeah. To do their own thing and 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 go their own way. Mm. Um. One thing I will say that I thought was quite interesting was, uh, and I think was very true to the sort of characterization of all the brothers, is that despite the fact they obviously felt an innate desire to placate their father's imperfections, yeah. they were all quite well-rounded young men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very supportive of one another, very caring. Yeah, emotionally mature. Yeah. yeah. It's funny what they do with the narrative. They do this thing once, which I was a bit baffled by, was um I can't remember the the character um but Jeremy Allen White what well, after he's committed suicide they bring him into the living room and then it cuts to this really weird heaven sequence yeah I didn't like that either I didn't like that I no. thought it was bizarre I thought uh, there's a line in it where he says oh you got the heavyweight title championship in heaven as well and you're like what um, <laughs> oh. this is again where I'm gonna step in and disagree with you both uh, okay right, um. Yeah. So, again, I think it earned it, and I think I think what it was is I think it was um, David's perspective of what he sees his brothers doing. Yeah, okay, in the yeah. afterlife, it cuts back to him um, straight away. Doesn't so it? I think it's what he's seeing, and it's him, I guess, having trying to have some sort of inner peace with it all, and like seeing this kind of idyllic, his brothers just like reunite, kind of like you know. Like by the lake, having a good time, shooting the shit. Yeah, his brother's got the belt. Like it again. It's a little bit similar to the last scene. It is definitely corny. Like there's oh. no like it is cut, but 
I think... I think it I think it also kind of has to do with how it's all shot as well. I think it's all shot quite well and quite kind of like it looks understated. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Like it's not like they haven't done it in the pearly gates of heaven or like, you know, or yeah. it's like that bit in Happy Gilmore where they're all kind of <laughs> waving and like on top of that house with like the truck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Truck. Uh, <laughs> Just say R.I.P. to this guy Chuck that I've ever met. Uh, yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Carl Weathers. R.I.P. Yeah, Carl Weathers. Yeah. What a man. Oh, what a man. hero. Oh, and man. in many, many ways. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, and again, I, I, I do understand why you wouldn't like it. And like, if, even if my opinion doesn't change your mind, that's also like that's fine. Yeah. Um, but like, I think again for me, with the amount of trauma that's happened and you look at it as his outlook on life, not that this has happened, like it's not, you know like, for me it works, okay, like yeah, for me yeah. it's like, like it uh, you've gone through so much trauma and so much tragedy, without those kind of saccharine moments, it is just unrelenting I think, and yeah. then it just almost becomes just completely morbid mm. I actually think I have one or the other I have both I understand that as well like, like I, I, I see where, I, I do see where you're coming from in terms of again this is a film for mainstream audiences and you have to think with that sort of storytelling framework in mind and I think you're absolutely right even you know taking a step back from all of the sort of filmy stuff just objectively it's fucking horrible yeah it's really a horrible story but I think one or the other for me would have been more effective and I would have been yeah. sort of maybe softer on on whatever they'd have chosen if oh, yeah, been the inclusion of one yeah, yeah I think I think yeah. even the ending because the ending got me but um, I, I am susceptible to that sort of soap, soapy kind of yeah yeah teary eyed ending uh, and uh, I think yeah so for me if I were to give if I were to choose definitely take out the sort of boys in the boat bit <laughs> I don't know, yeah. yeah, but I, I can I can equally I've speak spoke to someone else as well about this and they liked it as well. So again, there's like a, some some polarizing do you, stuff. Do you, yeah, do, you, do yeah. you think as well that like maybe it's because it's like the boys in the boat sort of thing as well? And it's a very kind of like Southern American kind of like I, like idyllic that we not that like it. Tom be, Sawyer. Yeah, like yeah. like do you, do you do you feel like as well that that like maybe because we are also like. Like <laughs> cynical Brits that just have like you know just rainy grey like yeah yeah we yeah, love yeah, yeah. like to, like yeah, yeah like yeah. like obviously we wish Ken Loach directed this and like <laughs> yeah, you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and then yeah. the other pet Kestrel the Kestrel also killed itself <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe we're just not optimistic enough maybe that's my problem yeah I think you are right. I love the idea that there's like another film about an English wrestling family being reviewed by Americans and they're like why is at like, the end of the film are they just like pissing in boxes of bottles of thatchers and drinking it <laughs> <laughs> how does that wrap yeah. itself up in a neat yeah. sort of narrative yeah. package yeah. you know I think that's why there's yeah. not many rugby films that's true yeah that's also true yeah. um, but, um, <laughs> um, also I think we should talk about um, Zac Efron no, okay. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And we were saying Please. this before again uh, over the hot bubbling curry. Yeah, you know, you know, it, I think for him, 
I feel always felt. I mean, obviously, as a teenager, I fucking hated High School Musical, and it was popular. To be like, I hate him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was always tinged slightly with jealousy, obviously, because he's the archetypal attractive man, isn't he? But you know, like I feel like he shares that sort of Daniel Radcliffe, for example. Though I don't think Daniel Radcliffe's traject- his the way he has to earn his stripes is as I don't think he's been as fraught with difficulty as much as Efron has because yeah. of being in High School Musical. But yeah, you know, these people they play characters that are set for a certain intended audience. Mm. And as many child actors would attest to, is or teenage actors, you know, it's difficult it's to move hard on. To move on, yeah, yeah, it's a tough fucking mountain to climb. Mm. And I think you know, actors like and weirdly, I think Radcliffe and Efron are kind of similar in the sense that they've obviously gone big and they've chosen performances. They thought, fucking hell, like yeah. if I'm going to break out of this mold, I've got to do it yeah. in a fucking weird way. Yeah, and I think yeah, Radcliffe's yeah. ascent has been a bit ropey, mm. whereas I think Efron's course has charted slightly better I think it's been a bit smoother because he's been smart about doing a few kind of indie stuff but he also embraced comedy a fair bit Um, but no I think and honestly like you know uh, some people might see it as faint praise but I don't but I genuinely think it's probably the best thing Zac Efron's done yeah, like, he I was great as Ted Bundy, but this he, is probably better. Without, yeah, absolutely. High School Musical three aside, this yeah. is his best. Role. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But I wanted to. No, he's brilliant. It, you're yeah. right. He's good. Yeah. But what I wanted to talk about actually is, is it's weird. Like it's a weird. Like it might feel like a weird thing to bring up, but his eyes. And I was saying it ocular to you earlier. To ocular men. That's it. That, that's uh, that's the the other spin-off. There's so many spin-offs coming We're out busy. this episode. We're busy. Yeah, um, I've had job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like I feel like he does like it's it's weird to say because obviously he's such a like I mean most people would probably talk about other aspects of how he looks like you yeah. know he's you know he's a very good looking guy he's very yeah, muscular he he's very like yeah he's a good looking bloke but yeah. I feel like he does a lot of his acting with his eyes and um, and I feel like there's also Alan White. Who also does a lot of acting with his eyes, so he's yeah. probably thinking, this guy can't steal the show. Yeah, it's an, it's an eye yeah. off. But yeah. Stare off between two fucking yeah. owls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy owls. <laughs> but, I feel, but I feel like his, you know, like his eyes completely kind of usually like encapsulate the character he is. Like, yeah, yeah. and mm. like they almost like they're perfect at projecting what he wants from a performance yeah, yeah yeah. so like you know you maybe look at his stuff when he was younger you look at your high school musicals uh 17 again and the stuff in that kind of period and he's always i mean i i can't say i watched a lot of that stuff so like but i imagine they probably give off quite dreamy kind of like you know like help with his sex symbol state yeah sure. like yeah. you know yeah. very like, piercing very very yeah yeah but also but, disarmingly sweet Mm. Yeah, yeah, and boy, yeah. It. It a- an absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But then you look at him in um, what's the title of it? Is it shockingly it's, evil, extremely some... wicked, shockingly evil, and vile? That's yeah. a yeah. shit title. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> no, it's, it's just you know, that's the thing. It's just too much of a mouthful. But like, well, yeah, when he's playing Ted Bundy, call it Bundy's holiday. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Bundy's big adventure. Yeah. Um, but, um, That's a better title. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Breakfast with Bundy. <laughs> um, but sorry, back to the point. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, when he's playing Ted Bundy, um, and you look at him and in like certain scenes, and especially in the courtroom as well, and you look at his eyes. Yeah, they're terrifying. They are. They're like, they, they are staring into your soul, and like it is believable. He looks psychotic. He looks like he wants to hurt you. He looks like he's dangerous, and it's from the eyes. Like he's yeah. got the, the kind of that, that dead those dead. Eyes just kind of like staring into the back of your soul, almost a bit Tom Cruisey in a way. Like yeah, you like, know, Mel- like uh, fucking um, oh um, Magnolia. Like thank you, yeah, yeah. Magnolia yeah. era cruise, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like very much that where it's just like like it's always soulless, and, yeah, yeah. and then you look at it, look at his eyes in the Iron Claw, and you do see like when when it, whichever kind of like there's you see that kind of softness you see that sweetness yeah. like you see doubt you like mm. you like you see all of it and it's all like you know you t- you, you look away from the kind of like the the rest of him and the eyes like it it's telling you everything and like i think he's got a real and i, d- I don't think it gets talked about enough like what what he does with his eyes like it's it's quite incredible really yeah. I like, think you're right you and it's something especially in the context you think of that sort of boyish vulnerability that he obviously deploys to maximum effect yeah in a uh, uh, high school musical uh, you know but it works in the context of this film because he is just crying out for someone to let him be vulnerable yeah, yeah. you know yeah. As, as his brothers are yeah and he yeah. is you know, by whatever sort of otherworldly force or whatever, he is the one that survives. Yeah, like he he's look- still crying for it. Yeah. You know, yeah, in those eyes, like he looks like you know, you look at him like otherwise, like he's like yeah, he's this big muscular kind of beefcake who's a, like, like a fucking British yeah, shit he's out like yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the NWA Texas champion. But mm. you look at his eyes; he's this sweet, nervous little dork who just wants to be hanging out with his brothers. Yeah, he's a, yeah. like a decent person, person, isn't it? Yeah. Until, like, Kind of half an hour into the film, You're like, really? yeah, you yeah. can't believe it though, because like because yeah. of the aforementioned sort of facial expression, that sort of puppy dog innocence that yeah, he yeah. exudes, despite his muscular frame. Yeah, yeah. like you can, Wish like I like you, as a virgin, like you completely buy it. Like yeah, like you know, <laughs> yeah. I think um, honestly, for me, this was like a yeah. It didn't reinvent the wheel in terms of like narrative or anything like that or biopics, but. I mean, I think sometimes if it's done well, why reinvent it? Like yeah, this, I agree. this, this story. Yeah. It, it's nice to sometimes, but if it's done well, I think it's important to just appreciate mm. it. And yeah. I feel like again, it was it was tragic. It was sweet and incredible performances all over, except for the guy who played Ric Flair, obviously. Um, <laughs> sorry, mate, but, you know, yeah. Um, back, back to the to drawing the, board, yeah. Pal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think this is a really solid piece of work. And, yeah, I, I personally can't fault too much about it other than... Uh, no, I, I agree. I largely agree with you. I think I had probably my niggles with it are perhaps a bit more entrenched than yours, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a film that's going to stay with me forever necessarily. But as as I think you are right, it is a, it is um, a sign that if you stick rigidly to formula and inject enough into it via solid performances, you know, decent visual moments, mm. you know, I think absolutely there's life in it. And yeah. I agree with you. I think the yeah, I can kind of echo your sort of formulaic sentiment. Um, I think because of the nature of the story and the kind of 
yeah, there's very unfortunate circumstances in the sort of father figure thing. They could have done something more interesting and unusual, especially considering it's A24. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, I mean, it was a sort of a Valentine's Day outing for me. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I thought it was... Ultimately... The rest of them would not have been a good Valentine's Jesus Day Christ, movie. Jesus Christ, I'm no. glad it wasn't that. Um, no. There was some sweetness to it, which I appreciated. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I guess as well, because it's wrestling and not just like another musician biopic or like something like that, where it gets away with it a yeah. bit more, because it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not a story told as much in cinema, so you can... Yeah. Buy it, but if it was a musician, you would be like, "Come on, this is just." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many times have you right. seen this? I imagine the Amy Winehouse biopic is coming out. It's going to be. Oh yeah. I hate to say it's going to be probably shite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard great. Things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's a there's a fucking litany of shit fucking music biopics, isn't there? I mean, even mm -hmm. think about. I, I keep going. Any time I can rag on this film, well, fear of everything. Oh yeah. yeah. Also <laughs> shit. All right. Outro. Go on, mate. Questing the cinematic void. There we have it then. Uh, uh, I feel like Fritz himself passed the torch on that. Oh, it's nice to to start to to do that. Yeah, I yeah. always kind of like sort of sink into my chair a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, no, no it's, really enjoyed it. Yeah, 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 honestly, that's the most. I mean, it might be just a combination of wrestling, a, a good film to talk about. Uh, and several Guinnesses, but yeah, uh, brilliant. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And thank you so much. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, man. Thanks Always a joy. Yeah. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it says about me that my episodes have been canon films, Denzel and wrestling. Uh, You're what? a Viral Stallion. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. If you need something about kind of you know hyper masculinity, then I'm your guy. Hybrid masculinity personified, I've always said it. Yeah. The most alpha of males. Uh, yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> no, yeah thanks for coming on, man. It's been wicked. It's always nice to have it, three Honestly, so on. much fun. Yeah. Really yeah, yeah. Fun. Thank you for having me, guys. As always, like, it's a pleasure. You know, you got anything else about, you know, hyper masculinity or anything like that? Have me on. Shall I we? can I can also talk about other subjects, so you know. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 I'm not just the guy for typecast you, yeah, yeah, for, inadvertently. Yeah, 80s vigilante dramas or wrestlers. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I can I can talk about things with more nuance. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps broaden your horizons, yeah, yeah, yeah. or at least, at least the perception of our audience. I do watch things with subtitles <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Death Wish Five with yeah. subtitles yeah, 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 doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so don't have to pay attention to the plot. <laughs> what punishment? Yeah. Uh, next week. Yes, next week. Uh, again, another episode where me and Ben are not going to be alone. No. In fact, this is a bit of a, a special one actually because it's it's something we've been trying to arrange for a while. Mm. Uh, Steve Mulhern. No. <laughs> um, about time. <laughs> it's about time. Mm. Um, Alex and Chris from the film angle are coming on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very excited about that. Two people who I admire very much, love their podcast, yeah, the film angle. Yeah. Uh, please check it out. Don't, Don't leave us in the dust, but you know, check oh, theirs yeah, out yeah. if you can. If you've got enough time, listen to one. Listen to yeah, yeah. Listen to ours first, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then go over. But no. um, sorry, um, whilst I'm here, do you mind if I ask you guys a question? What's it going to be like working with people who are good at making podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that, Lee, because in, yeah. in the sort of, uh, you know, since we've nailed down the date, uh, we've set up a little WhatsApp and they've been asking questions and they are, of, 
it is immediately apparent they are far more a well-oiled machine than we are. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're going to get like found out. I think we've already been found out. Oh, man, yeah. I think they're looking at our responses, our vague... Like, yeah, certain impo- responses, they're just like this. These fucking like, yeah. absolute amateurs. My, like, my, uh, imposter syndrome was going. It was through the roof. <laughs> yeah, we got described yeah, yeah. as a third world podcast. Well, <laughs> I just, I just want to let you guys know that, like, you know, if the episode with those guys don't, doesn't go too well, um, shout out to you guys as well. I love you and uh, love your podcast as well. But if things don't go well, perhaps some sort of uh, tag team match on the undercard of my uh, title match against uh, Marvin Reese, Dizzy Rascal, Siri, CEO of Frankie and Benny's, Stephen Mulhern. Yeah, we're all in there. Royal Rumble. Basically, yeah. it's a Royal Rumble. It's the Cabot Circus Rumble. Anyone who wants to get involved. We could be the undercard fight. Yeah. Me and oh. you versus Chris and Alex. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. For podcast supremacy. Yeah. Cineboys yeah. versus... Supremacy? Yeah. <laughs> supremacy. M- maybe I'll get my English teacher on, and uh, <laughs> they're in the match as well, actually, for teaching me <laughs> such terrible you. grammar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Making me barely illiterate. <laughs> Bludgeoning with a dictionary. Yeah. Very much looking forward to the episode anyway. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Even if they are clearly uh, far more prepared than we're going to be. <laughs> and it's going to be revealed to you all. We're gonna, we are really are going to be uh, shattering the illusions of professionalism <laughs> on Center Boys to Center Men, I think, next yeah. episode. But all that aside, really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. So yeah. can't wait for that. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank Thanks you. Thanks again to Lee. Thank you, mate. Thank and, you. And uh, see you later. See, see you in the next soon. one. Bye. Bye.